start. For today's episode, we just want to start by thanking some of our patrons who make this podcast what it is. They're the ones that are keeping these doors open, keeping us doing what we do. Keeping the lights on. We want to give a special shout out to Julia Kendall. Nace Fuenmayor. Rachel Dickhausen. Nicholas Eanes. Gotham City. Isabella Pearson. Lily Lesh. Sarah Hanks. Jordan B. Stephen J. Polly Magne. Jennifer. Megan McAtee. Jess Ackeroyd. Megan Willis. Rachel Bartholomew. Katie Tenenbaum. Bay Ehrman. Rachel Fox. Sincerity. Mitchell Harlow. Stephen Schombach. Rachel Long. And Thomas Wood. All right. Thanks, guys. You we really appreciate your help. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's get down to business. Howdy, Oaks, and welcome back to Bacon and Eggs. I'm Tyler Carlin. And I'm Ethan Etchell. And we're coming to you live from Toronto. So deface your local Pac-Man machine. And make sure you don't lose your vegan powers. Because today we're bringing you Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And not just Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Ethan, it's just you and me today. It's just you and me. It's been a minute. It has been a minute, but it feels good. feels good to be back to the square one, back to where we started, talking about one of our personal collective favorite movies. So here's what I want to do, since it's been a while since you and I had a little chit-chat ourselves. I want to run down some statistics, and then I want to hear what's going on in Ethan's life. All right. You know, what's next for uh, Mr... Mr. Edge Hill. Uh, but let's run down some stats. This movie was released on... What is 8? August? August. The movie released on August 13th, 2010. That was only 2,832 days ago. It feels like longer to me. Um, it is the first movie we have reviewed to lose money. Yeah, it had a $60 million budget and it made in its initial box office release $47.7 million. That's insane. Yeah, it lost... 12.3. That's insane. But it was dollars. extremely well received. 82% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes for critics, 83% uh, audience score, and a 69 on Metacritic, which for a romp like this, I think is an excellent score. Yeah, Metacritic, that's pretty generous for a movie like this. Yeah, for sure. Uh, now, Ethan, do you have a negative review for this movie? I do. It's a short one. Uh, it is from Scott Nash of MovieBuffs.com. He says, maybe with a different lead actor and about 20 minutes of running time chopped from it, I might have enjoyed it. Instead, I just laughed through parts, but was never emotionally drawn into any of it. I hear that. I can see where he's coming from. And I will say, the first time I saw it, Michael Sarah had to be sold to me. Like, yeah. It wasn't immediate that I was in. Michael Sarah almost always has to be sold to me. But I, at the same time, I can't think of a role he's been in where I've been like, no, I don't like this. I don't watch all that many Michael Sarah movies, if I'm really honest with you. He was good. He was in that Bill Murray Christmas special, but that wasn't his fault that it was bad. No, that was just bad. It was just terrible. Yeah. He was the he was like the agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was so unmemorable that I forgot. Uh, yeah. He was, he was good in uh, he was good in Juno. He was very good in Juno, um, and he was good in this. And and uh, I'll be honest, that's that's about the extent of my knowledge. I didn't really like him in Superbad, but I also didn't really like Superbad that much. Yeah, Superbad, I think, was a little overrated. Um, I've got a positive review here. Go for it. It, it comes from uh, Liam Lacey at the Globe and Mail. Uh, he says, You need to take a step back to see the emotional heart of the story. An allegory of a generation struggling to exchange the solipsist... An allegory of a generation struggling to exchange the solipsistic Xbox triumphs for awkward real-world love and empathy. Uh, and I guess what he's saying there is is that it does have heart, and it is a good story, um, but it takes a little bit of understanding of a certain type of a certain culture. Yeah, you gotta really buy into the whole video game thing to kind of even get this movie. Yeah, it does not immediately make sense. Um, when did you first see this? I don't honestly remember. I'm pretty sure you showed it to me, because I definitely didn't see it in theaters. No, I did not either. I remember being at marching band, and John Wiggins coming up to me and being like, you have to see Scott Pilgrim. And I was like, listen, John, I'm not going to do that. That movie looks terrible. Michael Sarah is 
a chump. He's not an action star. Doesn't look like my kind of movie. Looks like a pretty boring premise. I'm not interested. Not interested. And he was like, no, seriously, it's awesome. And I was like, okay, yeah, that's, that's nice. Pretty much the experience I've had trying to show this movie to anybody. It's just kind of like, just trust me. It's good. Right. I swear to God, it's good. I swear. You just have to sit through it. I promise. It's good. It doesn't, I can't even explain it. Yeah. I mean, it's like playing a video game, watching a music video uh, while watching a movie and it's like all forms of media attacking you at once. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's complicated and you can follow. I mean, it's a pretty standard story. It's, you know, this guy has to go through all these triumphs to get through to the girl that he loves. Uh, it's Edgar, Edgar Wright. Uh, we, we, you and I don't talk a lot about directors on here, but Edgar Wright is somebody that I, of everything I've seen, I've really, really liked. Um, although I, I will admit... I'm not I'm not the most well versed. Well, it's like Edgar Wright's one of those directors where You've probably seen an Edgar Wright movie, probably without realizing it, and then kind of once you realize that your movies that you're watching are Edgar Wright movies, they make sense together. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's a screenwriter from Ant-Man, so that's a little tie-in from our show. Um, he produced, screenwrote, and directed this, and he was also on uh, Hot Fuzz and those all of those movies, I yeah, think. Yeah, he did Shaun of the Dead, he did Hot Fuzz, uh, he did this, he did Baby Driver... And Baby Driver is the one that I think that you and I would probably, you know, say is the the quintessential Edgar Wright. Yeah, I mean, Baby Driver just has so much... Good. Well, it's just, it's got so much character to it. Just the movie itself. Yeah. But so does Shaun of the Dead. Yeah, I feel like he's making a name for himself. Like, I feel like, like a John Favreau makes good movies. Edgar Wright is starting to make, like, a stylized name for himself. Does that make sense? I, I just wouldn't consider Shaun of the Dead and... I would consider Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz to be very similar. But I would not consider them to be similar to, to Baby Driver. I can see that. They've got sort of that, like, like dark, dry comedy to them in parts. I don't know. Uh, if you would have if you would have put a gun to my head, I would have said that, that Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead were, uh, were Matthew Vaughn movies. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very similar directors there. But, Ethan, I'm curious, what's going on in the life of Edge Hill? Uh, not a whole lot. I just got back from tour a couple weeks ago, just still trying to kind of catch up and piece my life back together from that. And, uh, you know, you, you dip out for a little while, and you know, I came back to a job that missed me, and a girlfriend that missed me, and a podcast that missed me, and I'm still just kind of... I did not miss you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, I mean, I cried every night. Yeah, okay. That's that's what I was thinking. Uh, but no, I mean, I'm, I'm good. Just kind of moseying along, man. I mean, you know, living my life. Living my best life. I hear that. I hear that big time. How's... You've been having a, you've been having a good time. From my perspective, it looks like you're having a lot of fun. I am, I am having a lot of fun. It's been a good couple months. been a good start to the year. Uh, 2018's been, been good so far. 2017 was probably the best year I've had, so hoping that 18 can give me that same credit. Um, but you know, more. That's good. Yeah. How's, He's, how's Tyler world? Well, 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 I'll be uh, surprised if 2018, uh, outdo, outdoes 2017 for you. 2017 was a good year. Bought a house, got married, got a dog, yeah. got a car. It was a good year. Yeah. You did the, did the thing. I did the whole, the whole thing. The thing that like millennials are like, all oh, my peers are doing this stuff. I was doing all of that stuff. Yeah, you're, you're that peer. Right. <laughs> I'm that guy. I no longer have to be pressured to do any of that because you've done all of it. Right. <laughs> Uh, but I, uh, just very recently, actually yesterday, I joined a CrossFit gym and I feel like I would be remiss not to tell you about it because that's the thing, right? Is I have to talk about it to yeah, everyone. Yeah, like you're one day in and you've already told everybody you know about, All the time. about CrossFit. You made a separate Discord channel for our CrossFit, for your CrossFit. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag get yoked. So you've, you've bought in already to the whole, like, I'm a CrossFit guy. I have to the, be a CrossFit guy. The whole lifestyle. I'm all in. Because they tell you, here's the problem, is they tell you you have to be all in and they charge you an obscene amount of money to be all in and then they're like so in order for you to get this discount we need you to check in every time you're here like on facebook and i was like i don't check in anywhere on facebook yeah that'd be but a hard I... no for me <laughs> 
But now, now I've been doing it because I want the discount. And and also, I'm in like a business group, like for my day job, that's like, anytime you come to one of our meetings, you have to check in. And I'm like, I, I don't, like, what is with this checking in thing? Do people use Facebook what still? business group, yes. I'm a member of the people, Blue Ridge Business people Alliance. People our even. age and older use Facebook. I know, man, the kids are like. We are at that weird cutoff If it's not Instagram, don't talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I hate Facebook. I hate Facebook. I post things to Facebook to make my family happy and to promote stuff. And that's it. I'm learning to like it more and more. The more I use it, the more I like it. The more it. you turn into a dad. Yeah, I mean, like, I full dad status. By the way, I'm not becoming a dad. Just if anybody's like, oh my gosh, is Tyler about to become a father? No. No. No, no I am not. just adopted the full-on daditude. <laughs> daditude. I think we've... <laughs> Tyler goes to bed at 7 p.m., wears high-waisted <laughs> jeans... He just bought a straw hat online. Oh my god, I'm so excited about it. It's it's from the Gap. I don't think that like you're allowed to shop at the Gap if you're like 15 to 30. So did you get um, it like from like thegap.com? Thegap.com. Like yeah, not on Amazon? No, I didn't shop it around at all. I went straight to Gap. <laughs> Direct to the source. I mean, actually, that's not true. I did. I did use Honey, which we don't have a promo code, but we will get one before this goes live. So there's a link in the doobly-doo for Honey. What in God's name is Honey? Honey just applies promo codes for you. It's this amazing service. Oh. You can go to like get honey. I don't know what the website is, but it's slash something breakfast related. I don't know. It's something like that. Gotcha. Slash CrossFit. <laughs> well, I don't I don't get that many things like mailed to me generally. Here's my mentality is Amazon Prime just upped the the value the the cost of Amazon Prime this year. Yeah. I'm gonna get I think it's $110 now for an annual membership. Right, which means you re- realistically, if the shipping is if it's ten dollars an item, I need to buy eleven items on Amazon. $10 is a lot. Is that uh, okay? If it's $5 an I item. I, have you ever bought something? And I know we're completely off topic here and whatever. Have you ever been to go buy something, right? And you're, you're in the checkout process and you're like buying, say you're buying like a, like a shirt or something, right? And it's you get a good deal and it's like $15, right? And you go through and it's like $7.99 for shipping. And I'm just like, nope. No, I'm not buying this I'm shirt. I'm not buying it. <laughs> like a $23 shirt is still a, a decent right, deal. Right, but it's the fact that I'm paying 50% of the item cost for shipping. Yeah, it, feels it drives me crazy. Wrong. You know what gets me is those uh, penny bidding websites. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, the quibids and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 You did one of those in college. Yeah, I put like $4 into it. But it's like it's it's like a total sham, right? Yeah, completely. Like, you don't win anything. Because, well, not only do you not win anything, but each bid costs like 60 cents, it's right? Like, it's like 10 cents. Okay. But then, like, but then you don't win up. anything. Right. So each bid is 10 cents. So what ends up happening is you bid on something like 40 times. So that's, how much is 40 times 10? It's $4. Yeah, it's $4. <laughs> and then you don't win it, or you do win it. And then and you have you to have buy to it. Pay, yeah, and then you have to pay like $30 for the thing. It's like, yeah, okay, you saved a lot of money on an iPad. But typically you would bet more than, way more than 40 times. Yeah, it's because it, it just, every time you bid, it like extends the bidding time. Yeah, it's evil. It's totally evil. So there's plenty of people out there willing to pay almost full price for an iPad that are like just ruining it for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. Like, no, completely The idea sucks. is we all need to be in the same room, right? And See, then one person be like, okay, I want this thing. Nobody else bid on it. Whatever I do, or what I do is I just um, find the thing, because I don't have Amazon Prime, because I don't get that many things shipped to me, because I haven't had a reliable mailbox in three years. Um, long, complicated story. We live together. I still got stuff lost all the time. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I'm just unfindable by the post office, apparently. I don't want to talk about it. I just had a huge package fiasco the last couple days. Uh, anyway. You got a new guitar amp. Yeah, I did get a new guitar amp. It's sitting here right next to me. I have not used it yet. It's embarrassing. 
you did all that work and you haven't even used it? Well, I, I got home at 6.45 and we recorded, started recording at 7. That's true. So I pulled it out of the box and looked at it. That was uh, a wise move. It's got a lot of knobs. It's I, don't, got like, I don't know what any of those knobs do. When like, I played guitar... It's got like 35 knobs and like 27 buttons. I could identify five knobs that I knew what they did when I played guitar. And there's at least 11 input jacks on the back. For what? Our, our output jacks, I guess. Dude, I have no idea. The, the, the thing behind this amp is it can sound like any other amp ever made, ever. That sounds crazy. What's your problem with the post office and shipping and Amazon Prime? No, I just don't have Prime. So, like, my... my what? Th- yeah, I don't have Prime. Why would I pay for it if I don't get stuff shipped to me? Because it's free two-day shipping on anything. Right. Okay, so what I do instead is find the thing in stock at a store somewhere, and then I go bully the store into giving me the Amazon price. Mmm, that seems really rude, and I'm not about it. What's well, not? Like, most stores, like... Target, Walmart, Best Buy especially does it. They, they'll all price match. As long as you can find it from some reputable online retailer and not like, you know. Ethan and Ty opened uh <laughs> Right, exactly. They would rather just sell the thing for a little bit of a discount than not sell the thing. Well, if they do just take it from anywhere, then bacon and eggs will... <laughs> We'll sell We'll anything. be selling iPads for yeah, $2 at BiggerAndEggs.media. Anyway, do you, did you see Scott Pilgrim? Yeah, we watched it together, actually. Um, and you, if you want to watch our movies, our upcoming movies with us every now and then, we're going to be adding a new reward tier to our Patreon page um, where we watch movies together on Rabbit. So that'll yeah. be the new $10 reward, and you'll get to watch the movie with us. We'll have an ongoing discussion about the movie while it's going on and afterward, and it'll be a good time. So if you guys want to head on over to patreon.com slash bacon and eggs, you can sign up for our new $10 reward tier and get access to movies we watch together. And if $10 is steep for you, then I get it. You can do the $5 reward tier and just hang out in our Discord server with us, which is super great. We're always talking about movies and books and all sorts of things. Or you can do $3 and Ethan and I will shout you out or just one dollar and we'll occasionally post playlists on patreon and all sorts of other stuff that we like yep it'll be a good time will be so yeah i watched scott pilgrim versus the world uh this is probably how many times do you think you've seen this more than 10 less than 20 i would agree with that yeah i don't know exactly how many times because i don't exactly remember when the first time i saw it was but it's a it's a it's a fairly short movie it's like like an hour and, and a little bit over a half, I think. It's 112 minutes, so it's... it's. Oh, is it almost two hours? I did not realize that. I think that's what your review said. Or I read a review that said 112 minutes. I don't know. Mine did I... not give a, a specific runtime in the review, but it, it goes by quickly. It's an easy, bite-sized movie to watch. Yeah, an uh, overarching review from me... It's one of my favorite movies just because of all the little quips and references and, and uh, you know, the characters are so interesting and the, it's so beautifully shot. And as far as like comic book to film adaptations, this is one of the best, um, at least in the first two acts, which is what I've read in the comics. I, I have not read the, the closing, but from what I understand, it kind of deviates at that point. Um, well, that's because the rest of the books weren't written yet. Is that so? Yeah. No. But I will say this, um, as far as as a movie goes, for me, the first two acts are... So Sublime. The world building is super interesting. All the characters, the quips that are happening then, the interactions between everybody when you're like sort of establishing that this is going to be a super weird kind of thing. Right. Like a surreal, like uh, the movie experience. That's what I really enjoy with this movie. I don't really care that much about the conclusion. Yeah, if you're going to put a, an issue with this movie that really comes from the third act. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's good. It's very good. Uh, it wraps the story up perfectly. There's no other way you could have done it. Uh, but it's very, like, it's very deus ex machina. It relies a lot on, like, hey, we just use a video game trope to totally buy ourselves out of a problem that we created. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do think it's super clever just to note there's a character in the movie, um, Ramona Flowers, where, like, they use her hair color to distinguish the three acts of the movie. Like, in the first act, it's pink. In the second act, it's blue. In the third act, it's green. I just wanted to point that out. Oh, as far as 
as far as really meta movie type stuff uh, goes, like if you're going to bring mise-en-scene into the conversation, which is, how would you define that exactly? It is the sort of the way you, phrase. right. It's sort of the way you, you frame a shot and you use not just the characters and the dialogue, but the colors and the set and everything to tell the story. Um, and you know, there's, there's a ton of stuff about like, uh, what makes a good shot and what makes a bad shot. And you know, it all comes down to perspective in the end, but, but it's, I mean, I can pull up a definition for you and, and we'll, we'll riff on no, that. I mean, we don't need a definition, but I think that this this movie in particular, especially for the genre that it fits within, does that whole concept better than most other movies. Oh yeah. So the just the just to give you an idea, the the dictionary definition is the arrangement of scenery and stage properties in a play. But just the way that they do everything with the special effects, with like the the labeling, everything is hilarious. Like it's not just labeled, but it'll like have some quip about the character. Um, you know, like they're going oh, around yeah, the, the room with the, and with it's like listing everything that's, that's Wallace's and everything that's Scott's and like yeah. everything is Wallace's except the pile of clothes on the floor and like Scott's jacket and it goes Scott's and jacket and then Wallace's jacket better yeah yeah and it's always giving like stats on the characters and it's like but like you don't get any idea that this movie is going to be totally bonkers until uh the the first fight scene oh right yeah it just it's, it's just totally fairly like normal like a, right it's like a weird sort of artsy like teen comedy know, young adult young adult comedy and then you know that first fight scene happens with uh, Patel, and it's like, wh- what is going on? So Matthew Wright and Matthew, no, uh, Matthew Wright. I tried to confine Matthew Vaughn and Edgar Wright. Uh, I wish we could do that. Edgar Wright, a nice world. Yeah, can we get like a like a Joan Anthony Russo type movie, but with Matthew Vaughn and Edgar Wright directing it? Right. Uh, yeah. Taron Egerton and Michael Sarah star. <laughs> <laughs> I'll even take like Simon Pegg and uh, what's the name of that British dude? Colin Firth. Yeah, is that his name? <laughs> if you're talking about Colin Firth, then yes, his name is, is he Colin the one, Firth. Is he Galahad or whatever? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I, I'm always nervous that I'm going to say the wrong name. No, 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 no. Colin, yeah, that's Colin Firth. Yeah, like, <laughs> that's just a big question. Like, are you, are you talking about Colin Firth? If so, then yes, it's Colin Firth. It's kind of a big question. Um, but yeah, no. Edgar Wright said in this about this movie that he wanted to make it like a musical, but anywhere that they would randomly break into song, people just start fighting each other. But the issue with that, and that's hilarious, by the way. But the issue with that is that it kind of is a musical. Like, like Scott's in a band, and like part of the story is how he's moving on up in the band. And a really cool turning point is when he's like, "I don't care about the band. All I care about is Ramona Flowers," uh, which is sort of always true. But anyway, yeah. Um, what were you saying? No, I was just saying that like that. That's when the movie starts to go off the rails. Is that first fight scene? It's where you go from this normal movie and you get this really um, Bollywood type fight scene. Yeah, and it's just absolutely insane. Like Scott knows how to fight like and like michael Sarah is the most lame looking person oh yeah there ever has been and ever lame will looking be. lame sounding like he's the anti-cool he's, yeah he's like tall and lanky and he's got like a big nose and he's got shaggy hair and like yeah, his hair has no particular shape to it there's no style to it right and like he just punches this dude square in the face and like everybody's just cool with it like at first they're like what's going on but not what's going on why are they fighting what's going on who is scott fighting right (laughs) well and this is one of the this is one of the few examples of there's this really um like early 19th century idea that that happened a lot in in france and south america and uh, writing called magic realism um and it's the same thing you get in like birdman movies like that uh that are kind of it exists in a world where everything is pretty 
pretty much the same, but just doesn't necessarily obey the rules the same way it should. How is Birdman not obeyed? Because it, he's like, you just gotta watch it. I'm not gonna like explain that right now in this podcast because I'm sure we'll get there eventually. Oh, I love Birdman. So good. Um, but it's like in, in this movie, it's like it, it, everything that happens in this warped version of Toronto is totally normal to these people. Right. Like it's not like a, like, like they kill a major act, action star. And everybody's like, just nobody like, cares. Yep, cool. Yeah. Cur- Chris Evans' character just dies. I mean, they all die. Yeah, but he's the he's the famous one. He's Lucas Lee. At that point, yeah, yeah, he was famous in the movie. But at that point, who do you think was the most famous of the exes? I think Brandon. Brandon Routh. Routh? I thought it was Ruth. I'm pretty sure it's Ralph. I've told what sure it said, but <laughs> there's a, a video on how to pronounce his name. I don't know. I mean, did that many people watch Superman Returns? Did more people watch Superman Returns than Fantastic Four? Oh, I don't think so. No, it's Ruth according to this video. Is it really? That's weird. Yes, it's a weird way to spell Ruth. I agree. But he like so nobody liked Superman Returns. Like you do realize that, right? Like you keep talking about, oh, I love, I love this guy. Nobody liked that movie. That movie was a was... utter pile of garbage. I don't like him because of Superman Returns. What do you like him because of? What else have he He's been He's an arrow. In? Oh, Jesus Christ. What, yeah, what, what important has he been in? Uh, pff, that's the most important thing there is. Arrow? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Who was he in Arrow? He's the Atom. Who? He's a he's a DC, like, uh, I, from what I've seen, he God. sort of floats back and forth. Ray Palmer is the character's name. He's also Daniel Shaw and Chuck. He's not in a ton of stuff, it turns out. I was Daniel Shaw. Look at that. I liked Chuck. Chuck People was a- People did like Chuck. Chuck was a good show. Did you? I never watched. I saw the pilot, and uh, Chuck- it's like- Chuck it's was like, like uh, funny. The, the lead from this show looks like a little dicky. From what show? Chuck. Zachary Levi? Zachary yeah. Levi, like the, the Warrior 3? Yeah. He does not look like a little dicky. Who does he play in the Warrior 3? I don't know their names. <laughs> <laughs> He's not Hogan. He's Fandral. Fandral. Hogan is the Asian dude. Zachary Levi is the one that got replaced. He like they he was the replacement after the first. Oh, story. he's the one that's got the sword. Yeah, but not the girl. Yeah. Anyway, he does not look like a little dicky. Speaking of news, did you see that the Russo brothers announced that uh, what's her butt, even though she wasn't in Ragnarok, is now confirmed dead? The Russo brothers need to go away. Yeah, I don't want I'm, answers. I'm done with them right now. They and I'm, and I don't want to get into this because we're obviously not spoiling Infinity War here in this eight-year-old movie podcast. Right. Uh, <laughs> but they, they just keep confirming fan theories and like giving credence to fan theories. Stop it. It's been like two weeks. Yeah, and part of the fun is not knowing. Right, it's like, I don't want to know what happens in, in Infinity War, the next Avengers movie. I don't want to know what happens until next May when I watch it. And I'm going to love it. Yeah, but like, I don't want to know that, that Captain America's not Captain America anymore and he's now the Nomad. Oh, that was before the movie even came out, though. We all knew that. Nobody knew that. Nobody knows who the Nomad is. Lady Sif. Lady Sif is who it is. <laughs> you don't remember you her name? I'm, yeah, I've, oh. been, I've been all over. Played by Jamie Alexander. Anyway. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Russo Brothers right now. I want them to go away and stop ruining everything. But I'm sorry that's a topic that. for a different day. Uh, we are talking about Scott Pilgrim versus the world, uh, which does have Chris Evans, who is Captain America, and uh, Brandon Ruth, who is the worst Superman ever. He plays e- Evil X number three, and Chris Evans plays Evil X number two, and some guy plays Evil X number one. Patel. Yeah, He is the only British actor in the whole movie. Uh Edgar Wright did not want any British actors in this movie, and so this guy pretended to be American so he could be it in the was movie. Filmed in, was it filmed in Canada? Was it filmed in Hollywood? Where was it? It was probably filmed in Toronto. Yeah, it's apparently really cheap to film stuff up there. Yeah, it's really cheap to film in Toronto. That's why, like, almost every, like, New York movie is filmed in Toronto. Is that true? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. They talk about it in the movie. <laughs> oh, they do talk about that in the movie. You're right. Yeah, when they're at Casa Lomo or whatever it is. And that castle's really there, right? Yeah, that castle's really there, and it's just, like, a permanent castle set. So it's like a movie set. It's not like a, it's not like a castle that they built in Canada. Canada that one time and now no it's, now they use it for it's movies. it's a like movie set castle interesting yeah i thought really hard about putting half and half in this one <laughs> 
This movie's so funny. Like the quips are constant. It never stops. Oh yeah, that's that's the thing. Is like this movie goes from the beginning and is just if you get the jokes hilarious. I get a new joke every time. Oh, absolutely. Or I see something I didn't see before and like the like I said the 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 graphics on screen, the sound effects, the the character introductions, it's all stuff that if it was done even just a little bit differently would totally take away from the movie. But it doesn't yeah. at all. It feels like it's rehearsed. Does that make sense? Oh, I like I, I firmly believe that every single second of this movie was painstakingly scripted. Yeah, like it seems like like even that first scene where they're just sitting there and they're like, so Scott, you're dating a high schooler. I mean, I've read the first part of the, like the first act of the screenplay and it absolutely is just, that's it tells them how to look. It tells them how to act. It tells them what, what their coffee is. How does Scott take his coffee? Uh, it was like sugary, I think. Hmm, that's crazy. Yeah. And it's you like these screenplays. Did you read the whole screenplay or just, just the, first? the first act? They take a long time. It's, they're, they're, they're long. They're dense. There's a lot of stuff in there. Making a movie sounds like a lot of work. How much time does it take like day one to close? A lot. Oh, Oh, I, gotta, I feel I, gotta, I would be I so tired of it by the time it was over. I don't want to just sit here and read IMDb trivia, but there's a really interesting... Uh, there's a ton of trivia for this movie. I love that young Neil wears his heart on his sleeve. Johnny Simmons is that guy's name. What else is he in? I have no idea. He's in Perks of Being a Wallflower. So good. I don't know who he plays. Brad? Who's Brad? I have brother? no idea. Brad's the older brother. Football player. Scott Pilgrim, Jennifer's Body, and The To-Do List. And he's in Girl Boss, which was canceled, right? I think so. Um. Anyway, so this is an interesting piece of trivia from this movie. Uh, Edgar Wright, when the movie was in um, editing after it had been shot, was like so unconfident with how he should edit this movie that he brought in and showed them a screening of the original, of the first cut. He brought in Quentin Tarantino, Jason Reitman, and Kevin Smith. Mm. And just, so Kevin Smith, like, Kevin Smith, like Paul Blart. No, that's Kevin James. That's Kevin, Kevin Smith, James. like Kevin uh, Smith Clerks. Is, is... Clerks, that guy. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Dogma, Jay and Silent Bob, those movies. And Jason Reitman did, um, like, Juno and Up in the Air, Thank You for Smoking, those type movies. Yeah. Uh, and so the, orig the original cut didn't have that uh, voiceover at the beginning, the Once Upon a Time in Toronto, Canada, Scott Pilgrim was dating a high schooler. That was Quentin Tarantino's <laughs> idea. Quentin Tarantino, you can, you can definitely tell there's some of his influence. Oh, in for there. sure. For sure. That... Uh, what is the word? Um, they talk about certain directors and singer-songwriters, uh, hegemonic, as being hegemonic. Uh, then their their influence is, like, evident no matter what. And you can you can tell Quentin, when Quentin Tarantino's had anything to do with a movie. Like, whether he was just, like, in it or directed it or produced it or wrote part of it or did anything, was a consultant. You could tell when Quentin Tarantino's had something to do with a movie. Yeah. Like, he has a very, very, very specific style and a very specific touch. And even if this, even if Quentin Tarantino didn't have anything to do with this movie, you could tell this guy was, like, grew up watching Tarantino movies and was like, I want to make those. Yeah, for sure. You totally can. Yeah, because if there's anybody, any director you can say has a style, it's Tarantino. Oh, yeah. That's, like, the, the quintessential, like... Like, that looks like a Tarantino movie. Yeah. They're all really long. It's like Wes Anderson. It's like... Oh, yeah. Well, Wes Anderson... They're not similar. Wes Anderson's just the only director that still uses color. What like Like, all of the colors. Yeah, he uses all the colors, and he does, like, a bunch of, like, center frame shots. And... Very good. Yeah, there's a very, very, very evident... Good. The very Bordered evident directing style. center frame shots. Um, but, yeah, he's the, the one of the only directors that still uses colors that aren't orange and blue. Man, I was watching, uh, just as, on the topic of, of shots, um, I've been... I was watching the first... Uh, Lord of the Rings movie with my girlfriend who'd never seen it before, and I have not watched that movie in a long time. Yeah, there's a lot of really bad shots in that movie. Really, a lot of like awkward 
like nose up close-ups of people's faces. I know there's a lot of shots of people's faces, and that was before GIFs, so it wasn't even like... Oh, that movie has been heavily gifed. Oh, for sure. Like, every scene Gandalf is in, I'm like, that's a gif, that's a gif, that's a gif, that's a gif. So, somewhere right now, somebody's listening to this podcast and just gritting their teeth, going, it's gif. It's gif, it's gif, it's gif, it's gif. Um, can you tell me... I remember this movie coming out. Not this movie that we're talking about, but this movie, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. And people being like, oh my God, Viggo Mortensen, he's been in so many excellent things. Who the crap is Viggo Mortensen before this? I, I don't know. Like, I'm looking at these titles and nothing is particularly... Granted, this is a lot... Like, this whole time period was when I was not watching movies that were made for, like, avant-garde audiences. So I have no idea if any of these are any good. But I've never heard of, like, any of these movies. American Yakuza, is that a famous movie? I have seen... T- no, I got a 5.7. After, right. off the top of my head, I have seen two of these movies, uh, which are Crimson Tide and 28 Days. What is 28 Days? 28 Days is a movie about rehab with Sandra Bullock. Oh, it looks good. It is good. She's it's a, it's good. a very good movie. Um, it's about her struggle. 40, 46 Metascore. Maybe it's not that good. It's pretty good. I mean, it's it's a like 2000 comedy, so it's as good as oh. those were. Uh, but it's 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 tough. And then uh, Crimson Tide was like a war movie about a submarine. Mm. Had, I never uh, liked those. Denzel in it. I'm looking at these. People were like, man, he's so good. He's the guy. He's Aragorn. Yeah. And then uh, Hidalgo. Yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Whatever he, whoever he was in Hidalgo, since Hidalgo was the horse. Yeah. I have no idea. I'm sure it's in here. Frank, Frank Hopkins. Hopkins. What a great movie. It's a true story, right? Possibly. I think it is. I don't know. But yeah, people, I don't know. I guess Viggo Mortensen was probably, I mean, I guess probably outside of Ian McKellen. He was probably, and Christopher Lee, maybe. He was probably the most established actor in the movie. John Reese davies maybe. Was Orlando Bloom nobody? I believe that was Orlando Bloom's, like, first acting credit. Or one what? of them. What? We're way, way off topic. He had, yeah, he Sean had Bean not done a somebody. movie before Fellowship of the Ring. Um, Who? Sean Bean. Was he? I don't know. I would have I guess he was him. in Patriot Games. I don't know when that came out. Or, He's been a lot of stuff since then. He's been active since 1984. Um, and that was 2001. So there was 17 years of movies in there. He was in Black Beauty. That's a famous movie, right? It's about also about a horse. It's a horse movie. You and, I, I can't do the horse. I can't even sit through Sea Biscuit. Yeah, I don't. Li- I've never liked horse movies. I think Hidalgo was the last one I enjoyed. And even that's pretty I, slow. Yeah, yeah, I did like Hidalgo. Hidalgo. Uh, all right, we're so far off topic. We're way, way. Off. All of these are la- acting credits for Sean Bean are are TV movie, except uh, Patriot Games. I didn't know that. Which is a phenomenal Harrison Ford movie. I'm just going to sidebar oh, you Oh, 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 Patrick Games is a Jack Ryan movie. That 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 is why I have seen that. Uh, Jack Ryan. That a... Jack Ryan is uh, like Tom Clancy's version of Jason Bourne. Oh. Hunt for October was a um, Jack Ryan movie. Gotcha. Is he Jack Ryan? Harrison Ford was Jack Ryan for a couple of these movies. Alec Baldwin was Jack Ryan in that movie. Wasn't Tom Cruise Jack Ryan at some point? Uh, maybe? You know what's not a menacing name? What? Ethan Hunt. No. No. Talking about Mission Impossible? Tom Cruise... Tom Cruise is a, is a menacing name. <laughs> <laughs> I know as an Ethan, I'm supposed to love the Mission Impossible movies. It's like my duty. You don't like them? Not em? particularly. Oh my God, I love I've them. I've never gotten into them. Like they're just, they're Oh, I'm not into them There's so many no better like the continuity is. action, like American spy movies. No, it's got the, it's got the real, real uh, action of action stunts though. The stunts. It's got the stunts awesome. Tom Cruise like kills himself doing. Yeah, they have like no plot though. Yeah, they're, they're terrible. Have you seen the previews for the next one? <laughs> By the way, yeah, Cal El's mustache better be extremely important to that movie. <laughs> it better be the most important. What is it, the actor's name? I don't even know. It better be the most important part of that movie that that guy <laughs> has a mustache. Because I don't know if you've seen Justice League yet, Ethan, but it's noticeable. You talking about you talking about Henry Cavill? Henry Cavill. Yes, yeah, Superman. Yeah. 
You can't be Superman. You can be Superman and have a mustache. That's ultra 21st century. Like Superman meets Freddie Mercury. That would be awesome. Like, people would be all about that. You can't CGI out your mustache. You can't do it. Yeah, that trailer you know what, does You know what terrible. Michael Sarah does? He just shaves the mustache. Yeah. All right, let's get back to Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Well, the problem with this particular movie, and I didn't realize this until we started talking about this particular movie, is that it's really hard to talk about this particular movie without, like, like seeing it physically in front of you. Yeah, it's it's very, like, we, like I don't mind spoiling it for you, listener, but the spoilers don't matter. Right. Like, it's like, it's not about the plot. The plot right, is that... Scott Pilgrim has to battle Ramona seven evil exes before she falls in love with him. And and then no, she falls in love with before him before like, she while can, it's happening. She can be in love with him. Right. To, oh god. To break her, her to break Gideon Graves' hold on her. Which like the big bad villain at the end of the movie is Jason Schwartzman. Yeah. I like the Do you have a let's let's try to break this down into conversations about the film. Do you have a favorite evil ex? Yeah, Jason Schwartzman. What? Yes. Gideon's the worst. Yeah, but I love that guy. I, I love the Brandon Ruth. Oh uh, yeah, I mean if, if you're gonna like if you're talking about like like a story behind the 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 other the low level exes, it's between him and and um and Chris Evans. They're the only ones. Oh, Chris Evans is so poorly acted. He was like a sore in this film. Nah, because he has like the he has like development of the character. What do you mean? No, he doesn't. Yeah, he does. How does he develop? Well, he doesn't develop, but like there's a story behind the character, as opposed to like you don't really know anything about Matthew Patel or like Roxy or the the twins. Matthew Patel punched a hole in the moon. No, 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 no. Brendan Ruth punched a hole in the moon. Oh, you're right. He's got vegan powers. Yeah, he's got vegan powers. <laughs> no, no vegan diet. No vegan power. Yeah, I mean he's probably the best. The best evil ex because he's he's dating Envy. He gets that whole scene. Oh, and Envy. I loved Envy. I love Envy. Captain Marvel. Yeah. What's her Brie name? Larson. Brie Larson. I didn't know that was Brie Larson until we watched it this time. Really? Yeah. I to me she always looks the same and she does not look like Brie Larson always does in this movie. Yes, yeah, she does. She has not aged. No, she's she'll be how old is she? Twenty four. She'll be twenty four until she dies. Yeah, she has not aged. At the hand of Thanos, Aubrey Plaza. Who? Oh my God! I, have you, I, the, the supporting have you tried cast. The section mark the clash at Demon. The head. supporting cast in this movie is like is so great for their little bit parts like i love Aubrey plaza i love julie i love uh stacy who's played by anna kendrick i love like cuomo. cuomo hey cuomo you know everybody right yeah yeah do you know a girl with hair like this yeah that's ramona flowers like i love <laughs> the band steven stills young neil and kim pine for the band for the band for the band <laughs> For the band, I love, I love Steven Stills has these these big uh, like like giant notepad drawings from the comic books yeah. of like everybody that they're gonna face and these constant blowups and they're like while crashing the boys are playing he's just screaming and you can't hear a word of it <laughs> right and like they they add like visual effects to the music yeah. they've got like lightning coming off the guitars and stuff oh and this movie I think this movie for a movie because like I love a movie that does a lot of one hitters like a lot of no cut scenes that's my favorite thing. Right. Like, I love the beginning. I love the beginning of Baby Driver. Obviously, Birdman's my favorite movie ever, so that movie has one cut in it the whole time. Um, But, like, this movie uses a lot of cuts, and it uses them very well. Yes. Where it'll just, like, (sighs) there's a whole scene where Scott's just focused on Ramona, and they go from, like, having a meeting to, like, band practice to getting some coffee to going to a show, and it's all one like cut together scene well, and it's yeah and it almost feels like scott like it doesn't seem like time is passing between these moments and everybody knows it and scott's like where are we going and steven stills is like we're, i just told you we're going to you know yeah. it's like three days later we're going to wherever the place is right it's like it's been hours they did a whole band practice like scott you played right. one note during that last song <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I was I was took it to mean like he just played one note, like just do. No, I think he's because he's standing there repeating the note when he says that. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, and there's one scene. Oh, and and I'm this is the rest of this podcast is pretty much just gonna be me describing scenes. There's this one scene <laughs> where like Young Neil's going over a plan, and there's just ominous like bass music going on in the background, and it pans away, and you see that it's Scott just doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I love young Neil's development. Like young Neil at first, there's a, there's a good story arc with him because at first he's like I'm just going to do whatever Scott says, right? Whatever Scott right, wants He literally to do, echoes Scott. He... And he, every time Scott, Scott says sucks, young Neil's like sucks. Sucks. <laughs> young Neil. Young Neil is one of the best lines in the movie where he's talking to knives uh, and she's like, "Oh my god, they're so good." And he goes, "Yeah, you should see him live." <laughs> And we're like, you should at see them the live. Concert. They're much better live. Yeah. And then Cuomo has the concert later, or the line later on where it's just like in the side, and he's like, <laughs> "Their first oh, album was, was way, way better, better than, than their the first album." <laughs> <laughs> their first album was way better than their first. There's so many little quips like that. <laughs> the best scene, I, I, and I'll argue with this till the day I drop dead. The best scene in the whole movie is when Knives shows up at the door. Wallace answers the door. <laughs> And she's like, hey, I'm here to see Scott. And he goes, J- he just left. And Scott dives out the window. <laughs> dives out of the, like, little cellar Reaches window. back in, grabs his hat, and then you see him run off behind <laughs> Knives. I also love when he's on the date with Ramona, or with Knives, and she's like, I can't remember who's on a date with. They're like, Do you want, are we going to go into your place? And he's like, no, I have, like, a strict not of the first date policy. Do you want to see where I grew up? I he said, do you want to see where I grew up? And it's the house across the street. <laughs> like, it's right there. And it's not even, like, funny. Like, it's not, like, there's no reason that would be funny. No, but, but it just is. The fact- <laughs> is it's just so deadpan. And that's what makes the yeah. whole movie is that, like, nobody laughs. Nobody smiles the whole time. Ramona is, like, the coolest person. Right. Like, nothing would make that girl laugh. Right. We haven't, we, we haven't even talked about Ramona. Ramona. What do you think of Ramona? I think she's a terrible person. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. They both are. Her and Scott both suck. Scott, like, cheats on knives with Ramona. Ramona's this awful person to him. They just cut back and forth at each other the whole time. Like, it's this... And, like, he's going through and fighting all these evil exes, and Ramona's, like, never that invested. Right. She just keeps leaving and, like, running off and being like, well, I mean, I guess you can do this or whatever. And he's, like, understandably mad about it, and she sucks to talk to. And then finally they both grow up at the end. Yeah, and they love each other, I think. Yeah, they walk off into the star door together. Star door. Yeah, 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 cuz she's like you deserve to be with Knives and he's like and Knives is like no, really. You you should be with Ramona. Yeah. This doesn't make any sense. Cuz cuz Knives grows. Right, up. Knives is like we weren't good together. I like Neil. Young Neil. He wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, literally. Quite literally, the whole movie. And his shirt is just like three rectangles. <laughs> That's the exact shirt he wears in the comic, by the way. I don't know if you knew that. I haven't actually read them. Read, read them. Uh, this was the first soiree. I want to get into comics while we're talking about this. This is my first soiree into comics in like high school. And uh, it remained the only comic I read until you and I went to buy a couple comics in college and we did not get interested in them. And no, then, I still have uh, your comic books. Yeah, They're, they're on my bookshelf. And then, uh, yeah, I totally believe it. It's the uh, Sam Wilson as Captain America. Yeah. And a few issues of that, I think. I think you had two of those and something else. I had uh, uh, Nova. I, I, I like Nova. I bought an Iron Patriot comic. 
The thing that frustrated me with comics, anyway, real quick on the Scott Pilgrim thing. It was the first comics I read in high school, and they were incredibly readable. They were funny. They were good. They had all those quips and jokes like they have in the movie. It's a it's a very good adaptation for those first two acts, um, and they're definitely worth buying and reading. They're by Brian Lee O'Malley. They're they're very very good. And I read them in high school because the like the token kid that everybody shouted the name of in our high school, which like every class had one. When we were freshmen, it was Tan May. I remember yeah. Tan May. And then when we were seniors, it was Brian Lee who was in our class. Yep. And, uh, and then the fact that these comics were written by Brian Lee O'Malley, I was like, well, I've got to read them. Um, and I think Jonathan got them for me for Christmas. But they're very, very good. They're hilarious. Yeah, And then in college, we, we tried to get into comics. I wasn't interested. I got, like, a Deadpool anthology at some point that I carried in my backpack literally to every class all of college. I don't know if you knew that. That's a fun I fact did. about me. I did um, know that. I don't know why I did. I never once pulled it out to read, like, during the day. But I did read it, and I wasn't interested. And then recently, I decided that I was going to collect the Amazing Spider-Man comics. Have I talked about this in the podcast? I don't think so. I think this this existed since we last recorded. No, yeah, maybe I've not. Done it for a little long. Well, we didn't talk about it. To we didn't talk about it with Sam. So Sam, what do you guys think of Sam? If you liked Sam, be sure to tweet at us and let us know that Sam's the man. You can even just say at Bacon and Eggs twenty three. Sam's the man. And we'll tell him and that. Yeah, because he's on Twitter, but he doesn't. He's not on Twitter. If that makes sense. But I've I've recently started collecting the Amazing Spider Man and. Um, the oldest issues I can get at my local comic book store are in like the 300s. Um, and I want like all of them from 1963 to, to now. And there's 800 issues at the end of this month. Um, and I want all of them. And I have six now. So it's a very small collection, but I'm getting there. Um, but with Marvel Unlimited, which is available free for a week, and I cannot get you a promo code, dear listener. But you can read over 20,000 different comics that Marvel has put out for like $10 a month. Um, which is like the same as Netflix, but there's 20,000 comic books that Marvel put out and they're all super good. I've been reading the original 1963 Spider-Man. It is so easy to read. And like, like that was my, there was that gate with comics when you and I read Iron Patriot and Captain America, that it was like, I don't know all of these characters. Right. I I don't get the stakes. Like the, the the drawing I could tell was for somebody other than me. And it was frustrating because as somebody that like prides themselves on getting art and like loving comic book characters, it was so frustrating to read newer comics and be like, I don't get it. I don't it. get it. I don't, I don't see the hype at all. But it took me about five issues of Spider-Man and just like being like, I'm just going to read these because I think if I know what happens in the history of Spider-Man, I'll enjoy it. And then I got to the first issue that has the lizard. And I was like at the edge of my seat reading this comic book i was so excited like trying to see what was going to happen as it was super predictable and it was you know cheap dialogue and very cheesy and very campy but they, they did a really good job in 1963 and i get why so many people love spider-man of like making you care about the character and making you care about the story and making j jonah jameson like joffrey from game of thrones like so easy to hate right. um so if you're looking for a recommendation on how to get into comics that's how I did it, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. If you'd like to do it as well, I would totally, totally uh, talk comics with you. But I have no idea what I'm doing. Fair enough. I'm glad you're finding uh, finding joy in that. That's a good thing. Because you know, you, I've talked about this since high school that I've wanted to be right, into and we tried, and, like, and that was my thing. Is like I am, I'm, I'm, I'm a collector of things, and it bothers me if I can't like get the first one. Like, I got to start with the first one. Well, that's what's so good about Marvel Unlimited is that they've got all of right, them. Right, but I'm, I'm not interested in that. What do you? I would, just, you I would want the books like like physical like i would want to collect entire runs like i don't care necessarily i have like spider-man one but it's like i would if it's a, a specific run i would want to start with the first one read them in that order and like have them in that order and it's so yeah, tough to do with spider with uh, with comic books because there's so many of them there's so many stories they're getting published all the time and, and they never any particular order to to what inventory places have 
Yeah, and it's very tough because, like, what we figured out with comic books is that, like, the title of the book, for those of you that read comics are probably just shaking your head at how stupid we are for not realizing this. Like, the title of the book, like, what I've been reading is The Amazing Spider-Man. But there's also, like, Spider-Man 2099, which is a totally different character, like, a different continuity, different universe. There's, yeah. like, The Amazing Spider-Man, Renew Your Vows. Totally different character. Totally different story. And it's, so it's, it's tough to know, like, what continuities go with each other and what, because, like, you can kind of figure that out with spider-man but then like what captain america is always interacting with spider-man if i want to read captain america comics you know right so it's confusing i'll totally grant you that um and yeah it's, and, and like, do it with anything, i go to the... it's like you know I, I, we bought those when thor ragnarok first came out i bought bought us those cord pops right and it was like yeah. everything i had not to just buy the entire like thor ragnarok collection we should have totally done that by the way yeah i didn't have the money for that i know me neither but we do now it's called and now we can't it was buy called them. self-control yeah um, but um, that's the thing is like I want to collect all of them and it makes me mad that I just have Korg. Korg. Like I love Korg. He's great. He's a little creepy. He doesn't have eyeballs uh, or he doesn't have like pupils. But uh, I guess no pops do. But his eyes are white and they're scary. My Korg's downstairs so I can't see him. But but that's the thing with Spider-Man is like I, I understand that collecting 800 issues and all the variants is going to take... 20 years and there's going to be 800 more issues by that point but being able to go on marvel unlimited and just read them from from the first issue ever forward in order is fun oh yeah for sure interesting. so if you're looking but for is it like one to... 800 issue story like does it is it congruent it is congruent there are like i'm like seven issues in like i'm still in 1963 i know but like i didn't know um, if you knew that like d- does it ever get like completely reset yeah yeah so it goes from 1963 to like 1998 I think. And then there's like a 2003 to 2011. I'm, I'm sure I'm butchering these numbers. But then, like, so it stopped. It stopped and restarted twice. But The Amazing Spider-Man from 1963 today to today has 799 issues. Okay, fair enough. And I, I'm sure he's died at some point. I have no idea. Well, you'll find out. I know. And it's it like, it's a huge endeavor just to read all of them. But buying the books, I have no interest in buying the books and then reading and like holding a comic book and reading it. Because then... Like, it's not necessarily an investment I'm going to think, I think I'm going to make a lot of money on. It's just like, why would I devalue them if I can just read them in perfect oh, yeah, color yeah, on for my sure. iPad? For sure. Yeah. When you have a lot of people that'll buy it, they'll find a new issue and buy two of them, read one and keep one in the plastic. Do you know that comics don't come in plastic? It's like a, yeah. like if you read online, like original still in the plastic, it's like, it didn't come Well, I come guess that was, what that means is that they bought the issue and the plastic together at the same time. Yeah. 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 And never took it out. Right. But there's no way to prove right. that. Anyway, Scott Pilgrim. You can find me the... Yeah, let's get back on that. Sorry, I just wanted to take that little digression. Um, Scott Pilgrim, we're talking... There's a bunch of characters here, and they've all got... They all seem like they've got a huge backstory. Oh, like, there's definitely. a lot to them. Like, like every character is more interesting than Scott. Yeah, yeah. Well, Scott's, yeah, just a boring guy who plays bass. Scott's not just a boring guy that plays bass. Scott is a boring guy that plays bass in a world where everyone has a story. Like, Stephen Stills is, like doing the band thing and he's like i'm going to be toronto's next big thing and that's extremely important to me and like that's important and young neil is just an echo of scott he's like nega scott yeah um and like knives is like this high schooler that's like trying to figure everything out and she's like all about yearbook committee and she cares about it and like wallace is like this socialite gay guy that's all about his whole thing stacy pilgrim is like a working person scott is like i'm between jobs yes Uh, scott is a fun employed yeah (laughs) but ramona equally is uninteresting well she's the man is mary elizabeth winston she's ramona flowers she was the girl from 10 cloverfield lane 
I didn't ever see that. Oh, you never no. saw it? Oh, I, I liked it. Um, I think I just haven't seen it. I think I was 76 on Metascore. She was it. from Live Free or Die Hard. She's uh, Yo. Bruce Willis's daughter. That was a good movie. It was a good movie. I love that You and I saw that together in theaters. It has Justin Long in it. Yeah, I have a cousin, cousin named Justin mm. Long. He's not a patron. His sister is, but uh, he's not Justin. Yeah. Anyway, that was, that was Mary Elizabeth Winstead was his daughter. Uh, other than that, what she's known for is uh, that, Scott Pilgrim, 10 Cloverfield Lane, and Smashed. Never heard of it. Me either. Oh, it's got Aaron Paul. Does it? Yeah, look at that. Smash. Nick Offerman. This seems like it's worth my time. Smashed. Megan Mullally. Mullally. Nick Offerman's wife. Mm-hmm. Octavia Spencer. This looks like a cast. Actually, that's the end of it. I don't recognize any of the other nope. these names. I do love Nick Offerman. I don't really love Megan Mullally, but... Well, he does. That's all that matters. He does, yes. That is correct, but... If you need a good time, just go look at Nick Offerman's uh, headshot on IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> With the, the shirt. The Fender Road shirt. Yeah. The thing is, is it's like, he is Bron Swanson, but he's less of a and a lot of Is that true? About Nick Offerman? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I don't, I, I, I've i seen his stand-up. I, I've and also I've seen had his stand-up, read... and from his stand-up, you could tell that dude is I've, I've heard him read Tom Sawyer to me. Was that good? I mean, it's Tom he's Sawyer. He's got a great voice. Yeah, so you can imagine yeah. that it's not bad. I mean, Tom Sawyer doesn't suck. It's, I mean, it's, whew, Mark Twain is, is like a challenge to read. How so? It's just, it's, it's not like light fiction. It's pretty light. I don't know. I felt like there's some dark themes to it. And it's not Tom like... Tom Sawyer's for like kids. I don't know. I just didn't feel like... Like when I read Mark Twain books, I feel like I'm reading something that's excellent, but something that's not engaging. Well, it's, it's like a classic for like, a reason. What's, right. But I, I'm just not like, ooh, what's going to happen next? I've got to turn the page. Is Spider-Man going to defeat the lizard man thing? He does, by the way. <laughs> well, it's a comic book. So probably. Yeah. <laughs> I think he probably wins in episode seven. Or issue seven or whatever. Issue seven of 800? Yeah. Unlikely that he would die Yeah, he probably doesn't die in the first two episodes. And it's similar in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World because there's no chance that he's going to lose to these evil exes. Like, they are clearly beatable. They're they're clearly beatable, but, like, obviously we're not going to get to the second one and him lose. Like, like Chris Evans is not going to win and then that's the end of the movie. And that's sort of the... The predictability to it is that, like, oh, Scott is obviously not going to lose. But it's interesting to see the way that he beats them. Like, he would have lost to Chris Evans if he wasn't, like, can you do a grindy thingy? Well, I mean, they've all got their, uh, they've all got their, uh, like, their weakness. It's Ramona. It was all of them. Well, no, but, like... Chris Evans, uh, what's his name? Lucas Lee was incredibly uh, prideful, and he he let his pride be his downfall. Yeah, and um, uh, Brandon Ruth's got vegan powers. Right, so he was uh, gluttony, I guess. If we're tying seven deadly sins to these people, oh, is there seven? Can you do that? Can you? I'm thinking is, about what? that right now because Roxy would be lust. I don't know how the Katianagi twins fit in there. Gideon Graves is definitely greed. Yeah. Uh, well, Envy would have been Envy. Envy. So then you can you can put two of them together. So what would they be? Sloth. Sloth. We <laughs> That's have, Scott's thing. Wrath. Sloth. What is sloth? Like laziness. Oh, that it actually means that. Yeah. Without care. Um. Do any of them not care? I don't know. What's Matthew Patel's shtick? I guess he's wrath. He's like bitter and and hurt. Anger, rage, and hatred. So there's, just to run down the seven deadly sins, there's lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride, which is just like, I feel like saying them that fast is like insulting to the discussion. Yeah, I guess envy would be envy. Envy, greed, and lust. Insatiable desire. Yeah, definitely not the Katianagi twins. They were more like, uh... They didn't really have a personality or, like, a story. What? Why did she date them? Was there, like, a little little montage for that? I can't ever remember. I don't think there is. I'm sure it's explained in the comic, but, uh, in this particular case, it I don't think it's Well, I just accidentally applied the deadly sins to most of Ramona's evil exes. Also, lust, or, uh, Roxy's representative of lust because she is orgasmed to death. <laughs> <laughs> In case you guys missed that one. Uh- 
because Scott you can cut that Scott out. Scott touches <laughs> her the back of her knee and she dies in this orgasmic fit. And like she dies like dead. <laughs> like she explodes into coins. Which is by another by the way another interesting feature of this movie is there's no like actual blood or anybody getting hurt. They just explode into coins. I love the coin thing. I think it's in, it's like a little comic book nod. It's like Pac-Man. Um, Why is Pac-Man called Pac-Man, Tyler? Uh, because he was going to be called Puck-Man because Japanese Japanese word for flapping one's mouth is Paku Paku, which like doesn't translate to Puck-Man, so I don't, I don't get that. Uh, but they thought that the kids would uh, deface the machines because you could just knock out a little part of the P. And make him Puck-Man. <laughs> man put it put a comma in there so why do you man, like you remember so much it just makes me so happy but like why like expound upon that it's so surrealist it's like it's like watching a dream unfold where you know like scott goes through the plane of death and ramona's like going through the inter mental <laughs> highway highway through his head interdimensional highway through his it's head three miles in like 10 and seconds like, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot you guys don't like, have those in Canada, is what she says. Like, like everything they say is just so absolutely absurd, but so normal. Um, there's so much to gather from the movie. It's so easy, if that makes sense. Like, like it doesn't beat you over the head with its with overt symbolism, but it is overt. Where it's like, like, like the young Neil wearing his heart on his sleeve thing. Like that tells you so much about that character, yeah. and it's literally part of his T-shirt. Um, you know, and it's overt. It's it's there. It's not hidden or anything. You know, a lot of these times. Like if you look at a lot of the Guardians of the Galaxy or the Marvel movies, they're like, well, if you if you pause the screen right here and Guardians of the Galaxy and zoom in a little bit in this corner, you can kind of make out that it says this, which means that. It's like you can be a little bit like it's like it's much more on the getting blue milk straight from the source yeah. side of things. Like that's the kind of fan service it is, but it feels like a fan service movie with no source material. I'd agree with that. I would absolutely agree with that. And it was great all the way through. Like every time I've watched it, it has been enjoyable as a member of a different demographic. It's a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with it. Did I you? Did. I can just I can already see the DM from John. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get it as soon as like it, it'll be like <laughs> what's what's like 10 a.m. So. Pacific Standard Time. It's like 1 p.m. I'll get a DM on Twitter for John Negroni that's like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> Uh, but we, it, it is so much fun. It is like Edgar Wright does so many brilliant things and it's just fun to watch. It's like, it's a good time. It's one of my favorite movies. It really is. It's, it's just, you're hard pressed to find any reason to hate it. Yeah. There's a lot of movies and where you're like, like, you can, you can see why somebody wouldn't like this. And I can see why somebody wouldn't like this, but I can't see why somebody would have some, some kind of violent, like, oh, I really don't like that movie. I mean, it is it, like if Ready Player One could have been this. Ready Player One would have been better with like all the references and like just so casually put in right. there. Which, by the way, as long as we're talking about Ready Player One, Halliday's favorite game is not Goldeneye in any category. Okay, Halliday did not play '90s first-person shooters. His freaking castle was on Planet Doom in the movie. Doom is a first-person shooter. Ethan. It was the first first-person shooter. It's such a Halliday thing. Halliday also wouldn't have played an odd job. He wouldn't have liked that. I don't, what do you think? I just like this will be the thing that consumes you until you die. What? Like I will get a text <laughs> in 75 years. <laughs> Why would why would they say like, holidays? We will both be gold. turning a hundred years old, and you'll just be like, I just can't believe that back in that really old Spielberg. movie, they uh, they made it holiday's favorite game. And I'll be like, Listen, what are you talking about? <laughs> Who are you? I'll remember this detail. Uh, I have this big poster in my room that says Marvel on it. Yeah. it bugs me. I'm just looking at it right now. It bugs me because in the bottom corner it says Marvel and like the exact same logo. <laughs> Ha 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 
<laughs> Why would it do that? That would bother me too. Oh, I just, uh, uh, as long as we're talking about Marvel, uh, I just watched, I bought the DVD for it and I watched the director's commentary, Thor Ragnarok. I can't, I cannot regret or not, I cannot recommend anything higher than that. Taika Waititi is a genius. Watching the, watch the director's commentary for Thor Ragnarok. It's so funny. I will do like, that. You can, I you can tell to. there was no editing to it. There was some dude in a sound booth. It was just like, record. And they just let him go. <laughs> he's so weird. Yeah. And he's just, he's in there and he like, he like Jerk. talks himself the whole time. Like every time he's on screen. Uh, as core. Yeah, or or he'll just be like, and now this is a really well-known upcoming New Zealand actor named Taika Waititi. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that movie's got a fun little rock paper scissors overall joke where like uh, uh, Asgard is killed by rocks something. No, that's not what? it. Meek's got knives for hands, but he's killed by Korg. Except and... he doesn't die. No, I know. Well, does he? Probably not. I don't want to say. Knowing what I know is not from Infinity War, but is a spoiler. It drives me crazy. Yeah, just a big old cue <laughs> from Joe Russo. Just handing out spoilers left and right. I mean, it's like a it's like a speculation. So, spoiler. what about this movie? What about Scott Pilgrim versus the World? What about it? What do you want to know? What about, what am I? Do- what what's the question? I don't, what about it, man? What about it? What what's the what? website for Amazon.ca? <laughs> I could just like I could literally make uh-huh. stupid jokes from this movie all day long. <laughs> like I love this movie so much that like that Tyler could text me and be like, "What's the website for Amazon.ca?" and I will fall out of my chair laughing. <laughs> here's here's the other question, Ethan. Um, I think this is a good way to frame it in terms of like this is like the most for you and me movie ever made. It is for like geeky guys who have been in bands and like had a social oh, yeah. life. I am the demographic for this movie. <laughs> Who are like between 15 and 25. Right. Like, would your mom like it? I doubt it. She would probably think my it was funny, would... but she would be like, I don't really get it. My mom wouldn't get it at all. My mom would hate this. Movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think anybody really over the age of like, and I, I know obviously there's a certain type of person, but like a lot of this stuff is just a certain generational thing. Yeah. Like I I know Carrie Pegg gets all like, this stuff. Carrie, if you're out there, I miss you. I know Carrie Pegg gets all this stuff. If Carrie Pegg doesn't think this movie is hilarious, I'd be very surprised. He's tough to read. At first, I thought John was going to be a very uh, as long as we're talking about previous guests of the show, and is also as long as we're talking about as the theme of today's episode. <laughs> as long as we're talking about previous guests of the show, John was somebody that I thought was going to be very avant garde. Wouldn't like any Marvel movies or Star Wars or anything like that. Very good, like good stuff, you know, quote unquote. You forget that John the, wrote the picture. Pixar theory. John wrote the Pixar theory, of course. So John, John and I have very similar taste in, in movies. Um, As do John and I. Yes. John is that weird and then, gap between all of the movies that Tyler has seen that I have not, and all of the movies I have seen that Tyler has not. I don't think I've seen a movie. You You've seen, seen plenty. You watch Wonder Woman. You watch a bunch of stuff that I just have no interest in. I watched like the DC movies. Yeah, no interest whatsoever. They're, they're not good. <laughs> Justice League wasn't bad. Just, it, was, it was it was about as good as Thor one. I'll put that out there. Yeah, I'm just not interested. I just don't care about those characters. <laughs> thing. Not gonna spend 150 minutes on just as good as Thor yeah, one, like, <laughs> like knowing it. Going I don't know, you're in. talking earlier about Arrow and the Atom, and I'm like, why do you even try DC? Like, just <laughs> give up. You got got, bro. They're buying a streaming service. They're like they're building an entire streaming service, like just for their characters. Like, with the exception of Batman, your best characters are as good as Marvel's worst characters. Whoa, he'd be nice to Wonder Woman. No, we have talked about this movie He's... not at all. Like, this is by far the episode we've talked about the movie least. You know, it's crazy. I don't know why we did that, but I feel like we haven't been together just you and me in a long time. We have some guests who are very good at keeping us on track. Wheezy Waiter was like, "Let's talk about the movie, guys." Well, and I would be like, "Oh, and we were okay. also doing Infinity War." And yeah. Well, and, and I love Star Weezy. Wars and like yeah we spent we spent yeah. an entire hour talking to John about the movie industry but yeah it was a good time but like it's 
It's been since before Ready Player One that we've been, we did an episode just us. It's fun. I like it. I feel like we get to to riff and do our thing. Well, let's talk about, um, I was going to say, let's talk about the evil exes, but we've talked about pretty much all of them. Um, is there a scene that you thought was lacking? I know we talked about the third act, like where it's all very plot heavy being not. Yeah, that whole first, the whole first run at Gideon. And I get why it was like that. They had to set it up like that. But that, that whole scene bores me where it's like he, he has to guess the password and the password's just like, ugh. (laughs) Whatever, man. Like I get that Scott's depressed because he got Ramona stolen from him and now he's out for revenge against Gideon because Gideon's a huge jack and whatever but that that whole first battle scene was just kind of lacking it totally like, i didn't was. feel anything for scott i wasn't like rooting for scott to win no neither was i because at that point i'm like like i when it came to relationships during my dating life i was very much the type that was like if if they don't want to keep dating that's fine like it's it might suck but there's nothing i can do about right that. you weren't willing to fight for it or anything i mean i was willing to fight for it but i wasn't going to like fight somebody like it like to me it was it was a yes or no you're interested me interested in me or you're not and if you're not, then I don't want to waste both of our time. Right. I agree with that. And that's that's kind of how it felt with Scott in this first battle scene. Is And it was also just a weird thing of, like, they left the gig and then all of a sudden they were at another gig. Yeah. Well, because they just signed the, the thing. Right. But, like, no time passed. There wasn't even any, like, time passage scene. Yeah. It was like Scott went home and got a phone call. That there was another gig going on right then. And it's in New York, isn't it? No. He was opening a second oh, Chaos were... Theater in Toronto. Oh, is that the yeah. idea? Which the Chaos Theater, I guess, is just a weird venue that has a giant pyramid throne in it i guess i don't know the chaos theater looks like it, it looks like what i would imagine a club looks like if i'd never been to a club i would be startled if i went to a concert venue and there was a giant pyramid shaped throne in the middle of it that some dude was just sitting a, on with a, a a woman kneeling next to him i would be like yeah and she's I'd be like, like there's I would like look a, at the people next to me and be like guys we should leave. leave i know i didn't this come here with you you're just place. strangers but like we should get out of here we we should not be here yeah like this is not a safe place for human beings yeah the, the people die here i can tell you that yeah. right now oh but that whole scene was kind of lacking for me. The, the really the whole third act. It's like I like it. I like the 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 way it wraps up. Um, but it's almost Scott learned of self respect, right? And then he he beats Nega Scott by them just talking it out. And it's oh, I thought that was yeah, stupid. it's kind of cheap. I didn't want like a fight between them. I would have just not put Nega Scott in there. Well, that's the thing is Scott has to learn to battle his own inner demons by just dealing with them. Yeah, I, I mean it felt like something that was supposed to be set up but wasn't. Yeah, it, like I felt like there was just a, a momentary lapse in an attention to the Nega Ninja in the dance battle video yeah. game where it was like. When it came back, you were like, oh, yeah? I, okay. And this is probably going to come back to this because we, and this is where it's going to end up back because we just had a weird moment where I stopped recording. But uh, American Pie sucks. American Pie does suck. Yeah. Those those movies aren't funny. No. I don't get it. Uh, Steve Stifler eats poop. That's the joke. I don't know, man. Okay, so my girlfriend loves those movies. I think I did when I was like a like a kid i'll play like a blink 182 song and she would be like oh this is an american pie 2 i'm like wait that's why you know this song she's like yeah why do you know it and i'm like it's f***ing blink 182 because i know blink 182 song <laughs> <laughs> because i was a youth at one point uh yeah i know i never liked those movies i've seen most of them i've just never cared no not no. your uh not my cup of tea well that's okay you don't have to to love them yeah i know i'm just i'm just saying that like i, I think there are lots of funnier movies out there and if anybody gets the idea to keep making them, stop. They Tara Reed, man, right? That's Tara Reed. Uh, she was in Van Wilder. Yeah, she was. Yeah, she's in these too. She plays Vicky. Hmm. She's also in Sharknado. She's like the lead or whatever. <laughs> Have you seen Sharknado? I don't want to like alarm you. Yeah. But she's also in Sharknado Six. <laughs> 
I love the titles for these. Sharknado <laughs> okay, Five, so, Global so, Swarming. So a couple years ago, um, I, I we were I was watching something, um, and I was with a girl I used to date, and whatever we were watching, on after it was the world premiere of Sharknado Two, the second one, which is the yeah. full name of the movie. I'm looking at that right now. Yeah, and I watched that whole movie front to back, like with commercials, like on TBS. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah, not the best. No, oh my god. So surprising to hear that. Like it might be the worst movie ever. They they made a bunch of them. There's like there's like six. Yeah. Six Sharknado movies. What is that all about? <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy because they the first one came out in 2013. So that's yeah, more than one a year. They're churning them, man. I, I don't think know, they dude. They came, mean, they, they came out with Tremors. They came out with Tremors 8 last year. I don't even know what Tremors. Tremors was. was a very good movie. It was a very funny movie with Kevin Bacon from 1990 and uh they just like released a slow turnaround. They just released Yeah, but they just keep making them over uh, and over again. They keep making them. And now Tremors a cold day in hell, I believe is the eighth iteration and it no longer has Kevin Bacon in it. When when did he stop? I don't know. Possibly after the first one. Gotcha. Uh well let's, I, I don't really know what to add about Scott Pilgrim. I love this movie and it was very fun to watch on Rabbit and I hope that people join us to do that in the future. Um but like I could I could sit and chat about and just quote the movie all day, but I think we've given Yeah, I think we've given much as much as we got. It. Yeah. All right, let's do villain rankings, starting with Matthew Patel. <laughs> We're gonna rank all of them? <laughs> no. Oh. We're not going to rank any of them. I think Ramona's the villain here. Or Gideon. You think Ramona's the villain? I don't think Ramona's the villain. If anybody's the villain, it's Scott. It's, yeah, Scott. Nega Scott. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's no villains. There's just boss fights. Boss fights. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not a super complex uh, film. But I think the, the conflict is overall not that good. Like, Brandon Ruth is definitely this shining moment, and he wasn't very good. Um, you know, one day we're going to get to like a movie that really just doesn't have a villain and like like because we've just so far done like superhero movies and big blockbusters and one day we're gonna end up on like i don't know like failure to launch <laughs> like a rom-com there'll be oh there will always be an antagonist there'll be an antagonist but like like a villain yeah it's tough to say like who's the villain in the proposal betty white no sandra bullock or whatever is that who it is what yeah. she's the she's it's about her no ryan it's about ryan reynolds it's about both of them yeah but she's like the devil the movie is about her coming to terms with being the devil yeah. and being a normal person so in the devil wears prada is meryl streep the villain yes i i have no idea i'm how team that meryl ends, streep actually. actually as far as like chick flick rom-com movies go the devil wears prada is a pretty good movie is it yeah there's it's, a band with that name they're terrible. <laughs> I've never. They're awful. Holy shit, man! Prada's people never been like good. Them. Like people like them though. People do like them. I've seen them live with my eyes. With your eye eye holes at, at War Tour. Um, they they have what's, a lot of they have a lot of weird names for songs. What's more uncomfortable of a word? Eye holes or eyeballs? Eye holes. Eye holes. Yeah. Okay keep that in my back pocket yeah the devil wears prada for a long time had a lot of really weird song titles though like they had a song called who speaks spanish colon quesadilla (laughs) funny name for a song (laughs) yeah and they're like a christian band but they're like a christian like deathcore band yeah they're christian they were they were. Oh, for they, they were. They don't play those songs anymore. Really? Yeah. That I know a lot more to... about the Devil Wears Prada than I than I want to. It seems weird. I'm not one to judge, but it seems weird to be a Christian band selling merch that says the devil on it. Well, you know, it's been a lot of weird Christian bands, especially Christian metal bands. Yeah. Those things. August, autumn, autumn Burns Red. August, August Burns, Burns Red. August Burns Red is like a super Christian band. Yeah. And they rip. Yeah. I listened to a, uh, 
I listened to this podcast called Lead Singer Syndrome with the the lead singer from Silverstein, who's the host. And he just mm-hmm. inter- interviews other lead singers from bands. And the episode with Jake from August Burns Red was great because Shane, who does the podcast, is like a super atheist. And you could tell he was super uncomfortable when Jake was like, well, I owe everything of my success to the glory of God. That's so wild. Yeah. And he just sits down and, and Jake, you know, because they, they had just gotten nominated for a Grammy when uh, they did the interview. And he was just like, yeah, I owe this Grammy to God. Obviously, I owe this nomination to, to the Lord. Like, obviously. Like, that's what all my music is about. What did you expect me to say? And Shane was just kind of like, uh, uh, I thought it was an act. The, uh, the Silverstein had a song I really liked for a long time. I think it was them. What's it called? Here Today, Gone Tomorrow. Was that Silverstein? It might not be. Now that I say it, it seems like that might not be the case. I don't know. I'm pretty sure it's like an album with a train on the cover. Yeah, like it was. Arrivals and Departures. Yeah. I've never heard of that song. Oh, it was like, it, it jammed in my Honda Fit in, uh, high school. Anyway, let's rank Scott. No, not Scott. Who else do we rank? What else do we rank? <laughs> we have to give... Well, this movie doesn't have a series, so we don't give a series ranking. We have to give it a ranking in our overall movies, and we have to give it a breakfast food. Oh, a breakfast food. Let me pull up the movies. This is... I can tell you what the breakfast food is, and it's going to be a little off the wall. I hope you're ready. Well, I feel like it's the best breakfast John Negroni ever had in Toronto. <laughs> You would you would like to think that, wouldn't you? Uh, All right, this is gonna be tricky to rank. Uh, to rank? Yeah. Is the is the list correct on? Uh, the list has everything except for um, Force Awakens. So Force according... Awakens is on top and make everything else down by one. Okay, so it goes Force Awakens, Avengers, Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Monty Python, Back to the Future, Star Wars, Thor, Ragnarok, Panther, Iron Man, Spider Man. Okay. Um, I feel like this is in it's it's. Not as good as Thor Ragnarok. No, it's not as good as Thor Ragnarok. I think I can actually drop it down guaranteed below Guardians. I don't know. I liked it better than Guardians of Civil War. That's sort of the the rank. I was. It's definitely not as good as Spider Man. No, I would say it's right there underneath Homecoming. You think it's better than Civil War? Yeah, I just said that. I know, but I, there's a big there's sources? a big gulf there. For me. Because I still think Spider-Man Homecoming is better than Iron Man. I still think it's better than Black Panther. Spider-Man Homecoming was a good movie. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think so. I mean, it's better than it's better than Age of Ultron. It definitely is. There's no doubt about that. And it's not as good as Iron Man, the first one. Yeah. Or Spider-Man. Or Spider-Man. So it's either... And I think it's it's similar to Guardians, honestly. I would feel weird placing it better than Guardians, but I'm willing to compromise by putting it between Guardians and Civil War. But honestly, I, I would, in a perfect world, Flip Guardians in Civil War and then put it below Guardians. <laughs> Civil War is better than Guardians. Okay. It is. Sorry. It just is. Deep, deep breaths. Yeah, breathe, buddy. You're good. You got this. All right, I'll put it. I can put it there in between Civil War and Guardians. So that'd make it the new 13. Okay. No. I'm okay with that. The new 14. That's very confusing. Short teen teen. It's, it's a teen. But it's in there. It's, it's in not there. better than Star Wars. So it's it is. Not better than. It the is not Dark as Future. good as. Star Wars, The Force Awakens, Avengers Infinity War, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, Back to the Future, Star Wars, The Last Jedi, Thor, Ragnarok, Black Panther, Iron Man, or Spider-Man Homecoming, or Captain America Civil War. That was a mouthful. Where are we now? Breakfast food? Breakfast food, yeah. All right. Uh, let me just make sure I know what I'm talking about. Okay. This movie is the fruit from Pac-Man. Like the cherries or whatever? Yeah, so there's cherry, strawberry, orange, apple, melon, galaxy, and starship, Bella, and Key. Okay, I can live with that. Right, because it's kind of like classic, but also kind of like out there. Yeah, I'm I'm down. I'm about it. I don't know how to like explain it, 
but I hope you're okay with that. I'm okay with it. I've just got a well, picture. Those are the... Just got a picture of all the sprites from Pac-Man. There's not that many. No, there's not that many. It's basically just ghosts looking multiple directions. Paku Paku Man. Udutudaman. Okay, so you know how they're Blinky Pinky Inky and Clyde. Yeah, I mean it's Inky also... Blinky Pinky. Get it right. There's an order. I I know because there's a loading screen. But there's also Shadow, Speedy, Bashful, and Pokey are the characters. And then the the in Puckman it was Oyakake, Machibuse, Kimogure, and Otoboke. And only one of those translates to its American name. And Machibuse is Pinky. It's Pinky. <laughs> when then in Miss Pac-Man, it's Inky, Blinky, Pinky, and Sue. I know. Well, anyway, what do we do now? <laughs> Sign off. <laughs> Sign off. We say goodbye. It's been nice knowing you. It's been a good time. Everybody. Oh, oh gosh. Do you do it? Do I do it? I don't know. I was just trying to say stuff. You go ahead. No, I was going to say it's been a good talking about this movie. It's been good to get this off my chest, whatever this yeah. is. Yeah. And we, we appreciate you spending time with us today. If you have any questions about the movie, uh, you're welcome to ask them in our Facebook group, which is free to join for everybody forever. Um, but for more direct and consistent communication with us, it's just a better platform. We recommend you do on our discord server it's five dollars a month on our patreon available at patreon.com slash bacon and eggs um, if you're unfamiliar with discord it's a really really awesome chat room service that's used a lot for gaming but also has a lot of practical applications outside of that um you can find ethan and i on twitter and instagram uh there the links are in the doobly-doo for our handles and everything but mine's amara carlin ethan's is wow now the o's are zeros uh, and the podcast is on twitter at bacon and eggs 23 um what else do we say our artwork is our artwork is by vaishan brandon if you want to get artwork from vaishan brandon let us know and we will get you some yeah, he's the man. Bashan's the man. I think you said everything. I think that's all we do. Uh, it's yeah. been another fun episode of Bacon and Eggs. Thank you guys for listening. Um, but yeah, thank you guys for listening. It's been a lot of fun. And until next week, Arrivederci. Amazon.ca.